a lot of the myths are, you know, that the Asian community won't really let you in. They won't, uh, you know, share, you know, any hair vendors or you can't open accounts within a certain radius, all of which are true. I've actually experienced, um, I recently got an account open that Michelle was never able to get open um, just by pushing back. Hi, fam, and welcome to Afros, Locks, and Biz, the podcast celebrating natural hair, black hair culture, community, and the business of black hair. Hi, I'm Tia. And I'm Charles. And Tia, I'm really excited today. Okay, what's the excitement for Charles? Why are you so excited? (laughs) I'm excited because this is our first biz show. And of course, we're Afros, Locks, and Biz, and the biz is short for business, and I'm all about the business. So I'm really excited to do this show today, talk about some business stuff, some business ideas. So I want to jump right into it. But before I do, when you're out shopping, do you seek out Black-owned businesses? Yes, I most definitely do, Um, because I'm always thinking about how, what can I do to empower those people that look like me? And I think about, for instance, my dad, he's, of course, my dad is black and he owns a, he owns a store. I have an uncle who owns a store and I just think about them. I think about how it was important for them to have community, their community come and support them. And then thought about how they took those dollars and reinvested it back into the community that's one of the reasons why I like to support Black-owned businesses. Um, there's so many things I could go on and on and on about the things that my dad have done to uplift the community um, from even a basketball league, you know, cool. just trying to help boys, you know, stay off the street and, you know, right. that kind of thing, collaborating with different people in the community doing that to um, having something to do with the softball and all of that thing. So. Yeah, I I always look for a Black-owned business. I always try to shop Black when I can. Cool. Yeah, me too. Uh, not, of course, you can't always. And particularly, like, if I'm in a different city, I look for, like, Black-owned restaurants because uh, I like to eat. <laughs> 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 but um, now we're going into the holidays, of course, you know, Christmas shopping. I try to get at least one gift, um, if not multiple gifts, you know, when I'm buying Christmas presents and presence for coins and things like that mm-hmm. uh, from a Black-owned business. And so I do make that effort. I don't always succeed. There's certain things you just can't, unfortunately. But I, do, I at least do make the effort. But, of course, you know, we're a hair group and talk about hair and, and business and that kind of thing. One thing that's really hard to find, unfortunately, is a Black-owned beauty supply store. That kind of leads us into our show today. So what are we talking about today, Tia? Today, we'll be talking about the importance of the Black hair care industry, um, what it means and the importance of shopping Black and owning a Black beauty supply store. So that's what's on, on deck for today. We'll be right back with our interview. In today's episode of Afros, Locks, and Biz, we have Tasha Hale. Tasha Hale is a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania native and have been in South Carolina for about 11 years. She has been married for 10 years with two children. 
She received her associate's degree in office administration in 2008 and worked in corporate America for years from Wells Fargo to LPL Financial, but she never really felt fulfilled. She decided to take a leap of faith and follow her dreams, and on June 1st of this year, she purchased Nefertiti Beauty Supply and Salon. Nefertiti is the only Black-owned beauty supply store and hair salon in in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And Tasha also mentioned that she is an aspiring vegan and an occasional yogi. Let's give a warm welcome to Tasha. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Now, um, we have to ask, what is an aspiring vegan? (laughs) (laughs) So you're going to put me on the spot like that. Okay. So... (laughs) I'm what I like to call a vegan veggie pescatarian. A lot of the times I try to incorporate vegan substitutes. Like I do a lot of like vegan mayos or butters. But every once in a while you may catch me out slipping. You know, so if you see me at like the fiery crab or somewhere and you know, I got regular butter or I'm eating some lobster, don't put me on blast because you may <laughs> be doing that. But ultimately, the goal is to eventually one day be vegan. Um, but like I said, like like everybody, we're human, so I can't I can't get away from from the cheeses and things sometimes. So today, of course, we um, we are actually interviewing you because we wanted to talk to someone who owns a black um, a black uh, has a black owned beauty supply store. Um, because you, we hear a lot of things out there, a lot of myths, a lot of, you know, things that's passed down and it's hard trying to sift through that stuff to find out what is the truth, what's fact and what's fiction and you know, what's fictional. Yeah. So, I mean, I've only really been in the game for a few months now, um, but I've known the previous owner for as long as she's had her business and she's had it for about 10 years even longer than that. I remember meeting her when I first was down here and she had aspirations of, you know, owning a beauty supply store as well as owning a salon because she was a braider and she did hair. Um, And I think over time, it just wasn't the right time. Like I said, 10 years ago, you know, we didn't have the buy black movement. We didn't have, you know, a lot of, um, of our people owning businesses, um, at least not on a scale that it is today. Like, I'm, I don't want to take away and say, like, no, we didn't own businesses 10 years ago, but right. now it's like full movement. Um, and I think there's a lot of people behind it. Um, and when she started originally, like, she was, she was just too uh, wise for her year. She was, you know, just like a little bit too uh, much ahead of the game. Um, but like I said, she was able to open it up and get it started. And, um, just knowing her and talking to her with all of my entrepreneurial ideas, you know, over the years, she just said to me one day, you would be really good at this. You know, Mm -hmm. had been talking about selling the business and, um, I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) And literally, you know, kind of jumped in. We discussed it for a little bit over a year before I actually purchased. Just kind of coming up with ideas on how I would revamp the store and so forth. But ultimately, um, now is the time to do it. There's a lot of resources out there for people who are looking to um, start their own Black-owned beauty supply. And 
it's not as hard as it used to be. Um, a lot of the myths are, you know, that the Asian community won't really let you in. They won't, uh, you know, share, you know, any hair vendors or you can't open accounts within a certain radius, all of which are true. I've actually experienced, um, I recently got an account open that Michelle was never able to get open um, just by pushing back and um, letting the gentleman know, because I'm not sure if you're aware, and I don't want to kind of just ramble on, but a lot of the hair distributors are all Asian owned. So they can kind of control who they're going to open an account with. You would assume if you're willing to spend money or, you know, yeah, spend money and, and buy their products that anybody would be open to that. And it would be a no brainer. They would open your account, but they don't. Um, basically they have it teetered off so that, you know, one family can carry, you know, X, Y, and Z brand. And then maybe across town, another family uh, open or carries, you know, A, B, and C so that they're not competing with each other and they all can kind of win. So just a second, I just want to ask a question, just so our listeners are aware, uh, Michelle, this that was the previous owner, correct? Correct, yes. Okay, and I actually frequented uh, Nefertiti, so when I found out that you actually purchased it, you know, I was happy that another Black person actually took over the business, but also... Um, you know, I, I've I've had conversations with Michelle off and on, and I knew that it was it was it was starting to become a weight for her. So, Tasha, you said a second ago that you were able to get these contracts with these vendors uh, with, by pushing back against the distributor. Pushing back in what way? Like, did you just were you just persistent with like phone calls, or did you push back legally, or how did you push it back? Kind of elaborate on that a little bit. So in this case, um, you can really open an account with anybody. Like I said, all you have to do is figure out what brand or what line it is, and you can send them emails. And they'll usually have like a page where it says like open like a wholesale account. And so I did that, and I, I kept doing that until somebody would call me back. Um, mm-hmm. I would find an email, and I would say, hey, I submitted a request to open an account just following up and I would just do that until I heard back and so a gentleman finally called me back and they asked you all of these questions he's like well where are you um who's who what other beauty supplies are close by to you and I'm thinking to myself I don't really understand why any of this matters but you know I kind of go along with it um and then he basically told me he said well I won't be able to open up an account with you at this time because you know, you're a competitor down the road. They already have the hair. Um, and I just I just kept saying, I don't understand. It didn't make sense to me because it doesn't, you know. It does make sense. It, it sounds like, okay, like say, you know, I'm a gas station and Coke isn't going to sell to me because the gas station across the street is also selling Coke. That's how I see Is that kind of what, it, what they're saying? That's, that's how I felt about it because right. at the end of the day, I'm saying, on on my end, I'm going to pay for the hair and you get your money up front, you know, exactly. as far as the distributor goes. So whether I can sell it or not after that shouldn't That's really. You. Yeah, exactly. If I can't sell my hair because somebody else sells it, you know, 
Um, like I said, that really shouldn't be their concern. So um, that's what I said. I just, I kept telling him um, his name is Jason. I said, Jason, I just don't understand. He was like, you know, it'll create problems. And I'm like, well, what problems? How? Explain them to me. And he really couldn't explain it. Um, and he said, he just eventually broke down and said, well, you know what? I'll be in the area um, in a few weeks and I'll come by. And he said, I'll check out your store and um, I guess kind of scope out the area for the the beauty supply basically see what the proximity of the beauty supply that was carrying hair was to my store. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was all fluff, but at the end of the day, I feel like, I mean, I got the, I got the account open. I got the hair for my clients. So it, that's, it's a win. <laughs> are there trying, are there any more black people that's trying to become distributors or suppliers? It's going to be a lot of things when it comes to the storefront of it, there are a lot more programs. There are a lot more avenues for us to get in there now. Um, I did read that a lot of the older um, Asian-owned beauty supply, well, pretty much all of them are Asian-owned, but a lot of the beauty supplies now, those old owners are getting older and their children don't want to take over. You know, they don't want to go into the family business anymore. So Um, that's how we're kind of scooting in there when it comes to just the storefront of it. But as far as, you know, black owned distributors, I thought it would be a lot easier than it is to find them. Um, but they're, they're just not out there. Mm. Um, when talking to Michelle, she said there may have been one, you know, that she heard of that I tried to do some research. I tried to find, um, but I, I just couldn't. We don't own them. We don't own the hair brands. We don't um, own the warehouses where you get all of the products. So what I found myself doing and with the revamp of the store um, being that natural hair care is um, such a movement as well now, I just find myself going to directly to um, those distributors. Right. Um, but that, again, that only covers the, the product side of it, uh, where we really, where the dollars really kind of add up is the hair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't really know how we'll kind of tap into that, how we will start our own hair brands and make it become um, a thing where, you know what I'm saying, where we can kind of dominate the hair. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm on Instagram a lot. Like I said, everybody has their own business and they're pushing. It's just so hard for us to kind of find them all because there are, I think, what is it called? Like better length, better hair. Um, I can't remember. Um, Of course, I can't remember them right now, but there are a few hair producers. But again, not enough to really penetrate and, you know, start your own warehouse and, and kind of go from there. So when you say hair, you're referring to like wigs and weaves and that kind of thing. Exactly. Gotcha. But that also goes into the human hair aspect too, if you think about that, not just synthetic, because I'm 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 just gonna pay just think back to if, if anyone looked at uh Chris Chris Rock's uh, what was it, Good Hair documentary. Mm-hmm. Right. And he was showing how in a lot of these other con- countries where they're Indian or Asian countries where uh, they're cutting their hair, whether they're cutting their hair for religious reasons, and a lot of them do, and then they sell it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that human hair aspect um, that you think about. And it's like, okay, how do we, how do we even get a hold of a lot of that? Right. 
I know of two people I feel like I may follow on Instagram um, who actually went to Africa. I'm sorry, I'm thinking Africa. At the motherland on my mind, I'm sorry, y'all. Went, <laughs> went to China mm-hmm. and basically cut the middleman out that way. Wow. Studied, worked in China and um, offered their own hair bundles um, that way. Um, she is somebody, as I said, eventually I would like to, you know, see if I could kind of partner with and maybe receive my hair directly from her. Um, but again, like I said, it's a one-off. I'm not sure if she's still doing it because that, that's a lot of commitment to actually just pick up and move to China right. um, away from your family. So, I'm, I mean, that's something that I have to kind of look into. Uh, it can be done. We're making ways. We are. It's just we have to shed light on the industry as a whole and realize that it's great if you can, number one, you know, go in and support your, um, if you have one, a local Black-owned beauty supply, but know that it's even deeper than that. Even yeah. if it's a Black-owned beauty supply, it's deeper than uh, than just that because we still have to get our products from somewhere and they're still dominating that aspect of it. Going back to the products, I, I know you said you go through the distributors. Is it possible to go directly to manufacturers? For example, yeah. to go to to go that we know that Dudley is black home is they're out of Greensboro. Uh, would it be possible for you as a store owner to go directly to Dudley or to directly to Bonner Brothers or directly to exactly. whoever else, to I don't know whoever whatever other manufacturer is that possible or do you have to go through the distributors? It, yes, and that's what I meant. I apologize. Yes, going directly to the manufacturers. Um, Allocay Naturals, I'm not sure if you're familiar, I'm a, that is a Black-owned product company. Mm. Um, they have a natural hairline. I believe they have products in Target. Um, mm. But yes, I have an account with them. Um, the only problem is, is that the, the one thing that, uh, the one benefit of actually just going to like a, a distributor, a wholesaler, is that I don't have to buy as much product. Being that I'm a small business, uh-huh. I can't really afford to buy as much project as some of my competitors. Okay. And, you know, that's what they have. They have tons and tons of products sitting there because they can afford to buy all of that product because people are coming in and they're, they're buying it up. Right. Um, so when you go directly to the manufacturers, sometimes they, you know, they have, you know, higher uh, quantity amounts that you have to buy. Um, but for the most part, yes, I try to go directly to the manufacturer um, if it's something that I know um, I'll be selling a lot of, especially when it comes to hair and so forth. I'll go directly to whoever it is or, or product lines that I know people love. I just recently pulled a report from Nielsen Report, and it shows that with ethnic hair and beauty aids, uh, black dollars are spending 63.5 million. So that's 85 points, like roughly 85, 86 percent of black consumers are contributed to some type of beauty and hair product. So just think about how much money is in that in, in itself. Mm hmm. Exactly. Yeah. We're spending a billion dollars a year um, on hair. Tasha, do you think that, do you think buying black 
quote-unquote, will be enough to get the distributors uh, to say, hey, we don't want to, we're trying not to sell certain products to these Black-owned beauty supply stores, um, but they're not shopping at our Asian-owned stores. So we need to sell more to these Black-owned stores. Uh, Will just buying Black be enough to change the system? Or do we need to do more, like you said, uh, start startup uh, Black-owned distributor companies and um, and I don't know, find new ways to broker, finding new ways to broker uh, agreements with these manufacturers to kind of cut out, you know, those middlemen. Uh, I guess my question is, what do you think as a Black-owned business owner, particularly a Black-owned business owner of a beauty supply store, uh, what would be the best path for us as consumers to change the system from our end? I think as consumers, um, just understanding how it all works. Gotcha. Um, within like my first week of having the business, you will, can, everybody had advice for me and said, you should do this or this will be great. You need to do this. But nobody really understood the atmosphere of owning uh, or the, the industry of owning a black owned business and the, the people that I have to deal with um, on a regular basis. So just as a consumer, understanding where your beauty, where your products, where especially where your hair is coming from, uh, how it eventually reaches your hands. And then, yeah, I think buying black will eventually be the turning point. If everybody realizes and supports black owned beauty supplies, that'll at least get the ball rolling to the a point where our competitors have to close down or they have to ask questions. What's going on? Why aren't we making as much money as we're making? And then that's when it's really, that's when that ball is really going to start rolling and they're going to say, wait a minute, they're not spending their money with us. They're going out of their way to spend their money with somebody else. And that's when, like you said, we're going to have to kind of hit them hard and start having uh, not only, it's kind of twofold. You want to spend your money with us, but then if you know of a, a Black-owned hair manufacturer that you can support and you can get out there, you know what is a big push? Um, YouTube videos. True. Yeah, True. yeah. And you know what they do. What happens is they will they'll do the reviews on the hair, and it's a hair that is uh, made, uh, is, is, is from an a, a Asian-owned manufacturer, for example, Free Trust. Free tress is very popular. Everybody comes in and they want this free tress hair. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a free tress account. So right then and there, you know, if they don't get what the YouTuber had, they're, they're walking out the door. Mm-hmm. So, so like I said, that all plays into just understanding the process and where your hair is coming from and knowing that maybe there's a comparable hair that you could still buy from a black owned or a, a black, yeah, black owned manufacturer, hair manufacturer. All right. Looking at it, black dollars make people move. If you notice, like in the last decade or so, they're even changing, you know, commercials and things like that. So it can target the black consumer because they're studying us. They're studying our trends, our likes, our culture. They're taking that and trying to appeal to us. And they're sitting behind closed doors making these decisions so they can bring in more money. Right, because we have the cool factor. 
Right. Uh, <laughs> we decide what's cool. And I don't think we do it consciously. It's just, it's just that's just a part of black culture. We we have the cool factor. Uh, wearing hats backwards, we made that cool. And, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, the the large uh, uh, the brand names on the clothes on the outside, not just on the tag, you know, that uh, was brought in by Carl Kanai back in the 90s. Right. And now you see Polo and everybody else having the their brand and Michael Kors having Michael Kors on the actual product because right. that's what we did. Um, you know, that was the, the, the street culture, the uh, our street fashions, the, you know, Dapper Dan, you know, taking those brands, those clothing brands, and then remaking them again um, to make them cool. And then the actual retail stores following, you know, his his path. So we have the cool factor and we just we make things cool. That's why these manufacturers, these retailers are trying to are studying us, like you just said, trying to figure out how, what our buying patterns are and what we like and what we don't like. Um, what we have to do, I think, as uh, and you guys can, of course, I want you guys to chime in. Um, I guess take more ownership of that cool fact. It's nice to be uh, looked up to as, oh, Tia's cool, because uh, Tia's black and Tia wears you know, her dress a certain way or her hair a certain way. Uh, so let's emulate that. Um, what we don't have as a community, I think we don't have enough control of the economic side of it. We don't. So, yes, we decide what's cool, but we're not making money off what's cool. Right. Uh, at least not in a large enough portion. Yes, we do to a certain degree, but uh, if we're the ones deciding what's cool and you know uh, what's popping at the moment, then you know we should be 60, 70, 80 percent of that economically. And so I think we have to change our, our mindsets. Like you said, Tasha, uh, you know our customers have to. From a customer side, we need to know you know where these products and what the advantage of buying black is uh, and that will of course kind of change the narrative uh economically for us as a community as black people but also you know nationally uh it will change how these store owners uh these retail owners uh react to us how they treat us like you said you know they made it very difficult for you to buy these products from the distributors well if they know that all of the customers are going to you because you're a black-owned business. They're going to change their tune. They're going to say, oh, it's Tasha. Let's give her whatever she wants because she. We know that she's going to bring in the customers. That's going to help them also make money. Uh, but that's something we have to do as a community. That's something that has to be uh, a group effort. You know, we can't. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. Tia can't do it alone. That has to be a. You know, the all hands on deck kind of thing right. again i get right. a little long-winded i'm sorry but you guys yeah chime in go ahead i i completely agree um with everything you said especially about our cool factor i love it like we do <laughs> <laughs> we do definitely set the tone and set the stage and for us not to be in full control of that is is crazy um I definitely see the light. I definitely see the light at the end of the tunnel. I feel like we are getting more involved and standing in our truth and being at the front line of our cool factor and owning it and not letting anybody tell us, you know, um, 
that who we are isn't acceptable or isn't, you know, the way to be. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I agree. I just feel like, um, once we can really take control of the industry, um, not only by having those storefronts, but becoming those, um, hair manufacturer and product manufacturers, um, only then will we really be able to kind of own with what is already ours. But I did want to uh, reference a quote um, from a 2018 Nielsen report. It says, our research shows that the black consumer choices have a cool factor. So, Charles, you are oh, right. Wow. Look at and that. that has created a <laughs> halo effect influencing not just consumers of color, but the mainstream as well. This is a quote that came from Cheryl Grace. She's the senior vice president of U.S. Strategic Community Alliances and Consumer Engagement at Nielsen. So um, they know that. And the things that we do and the money they're making off us, the way we buy, it influences other cultures, too. So our money make people move. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely does. Tasha, with the natural hair movement going on uh, and a lot more uh, products catering towards uh, natural hair, than say 15, 20 years ago. Uh, is that changing the way, and I know you said you're kind of new in the business, but is that changing the, I guess the, the manufacturers that you're dealing with? Are you having to deal with more black owned manufacturers because of the natural hair movement? Uh, because, you know, a lot of, a lot of, there are a lot of new products out there. Once upon a time, say 15, 20 years ago, there was almost nothing on the shelves if you were to walk into Target or Walgreens or wherever that was specific towards natural hair. Now you walk in the store, there's a whole aisle. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's, you know, the Cantu stuff, there's the, the Talia Waji, there's Carol's Daughter, there's the, the, what's some more, the Jamaican Lime, the, there's a whole line of them now, which they weren't, you know, they didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. So do you think that had, would change, you know, the the way um, from a retail per, a retail person's standpoint, uh, the type of, of I don't know, uh, again the manufacturers that you would have to do with that could possibly make it a little easier to broker those deals to get those contracts uh, because there are also a lot of them, not all of them, but some of them are also black owned. Right. It definitely could. Um, and that just goes back to the point I made with um, the fact that Michelle was in business for so long, for about 10 years. And I feel like for a, a long time, the beauty industry didn't change. You know, we pretty much bought the same, we did the same same thing. We bought like some Blue Magic, some Grits, <laughs> you know, um, some Stay Soft Bro. You know, we had like our right. set products that we used. And, you know, you were either doing one of like a few hairstyles, um, but now it's like there's lace fronts, there's this front, there's, you know, there's all these different products, um, hair products, as well as the natural hair um, line. Um, And then we can even take it a step further. Everybody's hair type, if they're 4C, if they're 3B. And I actually work with a company that just wants the research to see what people are buying when it comes to their hair type, because 
that is going to, I think that's going to be the new wave. It's not just going to be about buying natural hair products. It's going to be, here's our 4C line. Mm. You know, our 4C product, you know, so in a, in a few years, I'm pretty sure maybe stores might be set up that way. So, um, but, but yeah, with there being a lot more natural hair manufacturers, I feel like that may be a way in, you know, we can kind of weasel our way in because a lot of these natural um, hair lines are black owned. Right. Um, so if we got to start our own, you know, warehouse of just those, that would be dope, you know, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of black owned natural hair care lines, you know, the main choice, Jane Carter, um, CGI Moisture. Gay Moisture, Carol's daughter, Leo was it. You know, there's there's so many that you somebody could probably start their own, you know, warehouse just off the strength of that. Um, That's true. It's interesting for people of color, black people, um, Dominicans, people from the island, wherever. It seems like we have to have our specialized beauty supply store. But when it comes to, you know, non-black people, they can find their things in Target, Walmart, uh, Family Dollar, Sally's Beauty. But you're starting to see some of the natural hair care products being sold at some of these places. But it's just interesting um, just knowing that. But as far as you being the owner of Nefertiti, like, are you seeing any other, like, how diverse is your group that's coming in there? It's not really diverse at all. Um <laughs> Honestly, we'll get like it's not it's not really diverse at all. I can probably count on my hand, which <laughs> is sad. But you know, a lot of the times, the only time I'll get a more diverse clientele are for um or for cancer patients, older white women, and that's a big thing with the wigs. You know, they're usually coming in to get wigs, um, wow. survivors of cancer, um, or just you know, an older, older woman who, you know, just it likes to wear her wigs now. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. But other than that, I would say 99% of the time, um, my patrons are, are all black. Yeah. Is that yeah. something you've thought about? Is that like a goal of yours to have a more diverse clientele? Or are you good with being almost 100% black? I've never really thought about it, but honestly, I feel like I have, there's so many different avenues just for us. Uh-huh. I did want to open up a line for, you know, maybe the, the, um, the Dominican or Hispanic clientele. Uh-huh. I wouldn't be able to fully do them justice. You know, it would be like going into Walmart and finding those four little things that they need or they want on the shelves and and they probably were like this is all they have for me you know so like I feel like I would be doing them a disservice to even try to go into and carry their line of of products because with with black owned beauty supplies it's there's so much which is why the industry it which is why it's a billion dollar industry you know there's so many products targeted to us towards us that, like I said, I would probably need like a whole nother store to even try to bring something in there for somebody else <laughs> for gotcha. another. Yeah. So you're located not too far from off of Winthrop's campus. Correct. 
correct. How much of your clientele uh, are you having? Are you seeing a lot of uh, college students coming in? Absolutely, absolutely. Winthrop, um, I'll actually be putting an ad in one of their publications mm-hmm. soon because yeah, they're they're right there, and I believe we're the only ones that offer a, um, a student discount. Um, oh wow! Yeah, so all Winthrop students get a ten percent discount on all purchases. Right. And there, and let's not forget Clinton College. I know that's a little, that's not as close as uh, Winthrop, but it's still in um, in Rock Hill. Mm-hmm. Yep. You have a salon in the shop. So what type of hair do you do? Are you specializing in both natural and relaxed hair? Mainly what we do there is braids. Um, I have a braider. Her name is Stephanie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can um, see her work. Um, her name is The Braid Doll um, on mm. Instagram and Facebook. Um, but she basically picked up where Michelle left off with mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of natural hair, braids, dreads, retwists. Um, she will start doing uh, lock extensions probably at the first of the year. So, yeah, she pretty much picked up where Michelle left off and she's super dope, but she takes care of a lot of the braids and natural hair. I, of course, Tasha, you know, I went online. Uh, I see that you specifically called out beard care. Now we are in November, and I know that the men are all about Movember. I think I'm saying that right, Chuck. Movember. <laughs> no shave November. Uh, yeah, I've heard I've heard so many different things, but how is that taking off? Uh, with the beard care, right? So I mean, men love it. I love that. Not it's not only just our sisters coming into the store anymore. I get guys that come in because they have hair now, they have locks, they're growing it out, or they're just twisting up their natural hair. Um, And then beards are just on fire. Everybody wants one. (laughs) Um, Everybody's trying to get one. I might have to start selling those man pieces, you know, and have You never know. I think that might take, you know, because some people can't get them. They can't get it right. I have my, my, my fellas come in there. Uh, we do have a few different beard care products. Beard butters are always very popular. And yeah, I think it's awesome. I love, I just love to see, you know, it, it's like a family affair. Sometimes I'll get like a husband and a wife that'll come in. Mm-hmm separate ways and they come back and they like what you get you know and uh <laughs> it's just it's just great to see so yeah big hair is it's popular i think when we started our website i had i have the website unfortunately it just has products at the moment hair is a little bit more tricky to sell um online right. um, but i feel like my first three orders online were dudes buying beard care I'm yeah, it's, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. A lot of guys are really like you said, the beard butters and uh, the products to make their beard soft because the the big beards are in now, and so mm-hmm. it's it's a really big business. So yeah, that's a really good move to to have those products in your store. Absolutely. Michelle, did you thought about since you're doing the beard thing? You know, like if you go to uh, South Park Mall in, in Charlotte, um, they have a beard place there, but they actually do grooming on site. You thought about making like having a grooming type service there where they can come in and they can condition your beard and massage it and oil it and, you know, sell those other accessories like the 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 uh, the brush, you know, yeah. the brush. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. And honestly, T, I have so many ideas uh, racing through my mind for Nefertiti that um, I just can't. I, I, you know, I it's just it's just a lot. But right. I'm excited. That's a really good idea, though. You mm-hmm. know, I think once we expand on the salon, I think mm-hmm. that would be a really good point to have, especially for the fellas. Um, to realize that the beauty supply isn't just for your wife or your girlfriend, you know, it's, it's for the, the, the little boys coming in, to get some little twist butter or those twist sponges, um, mm-hmm. you know, or any of your natural hair, your Jamaican black, um, your black castor oils or, you know, things like that. It, it's for the whole family and, and definitely for the fellas. So that would definitely be a good um, service to introduce into the salon. I'm glad that you brought that up because, like I said, the fellas have really been a big part in the beauty supply. It's just not, you know, and I was speaking with my husband the other day about just the idea of the black owned, just the beauty supply itself. I feel like it's being totally revamped. It is not what it used to be. And I feel like we deserve more than overcrowded dusty just uh overwhelming stores where you know we're essentially being mistreated in some cases and not, and, and not appreciated right. um, so i think now um with a lot of the stores that i do see um online um and in other places is that we're totally taking over the the, the beauty supply and it's not just a place for women it's not just a place for weaves Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it's for the fellas and we deserve uh, the staff to be knowledgeable in the product um, and, and, and just a, a good experience overall because there's, there's so many things that people can come into the beauty supply and buy, a black owned beauty supply and buy. You know, it goes into skincare and your black soaps um, and, your, and your face mask mm-hmm. and you know, it's, it's more than just your hair. Um, and the experience should, should be reflected as, as that you should be greeted with somebody who knows about the products um, and actually cares about, you know, what you're going to be, you know, what you're, what you, what the products that you are, you came for. So. Right. And I'm glad you said that too, Tasha, because if you look at the trends of the average hair salon and the barbershop these days, they're going into a more technical, modern, full service type. Uh, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. So like most places that I I, I have gone to um, in a hair salon, you feel so tranquil, even down to the music that they play. They're not playing and nothing against rap. I love rap, but they're, they're playing more mellow neo soul music. You see a lot of the, the, you know, the real greenery and the relaxed lounge chairs. They actually put thought into, okay, this is an experience. Right. You're not just you're not just coming in here just to, you know, get your hair done. And you know how it was back in the day, but they're taking it a step further. They're all about building that experience because that's part of what you're paying for, too. So it would be nice to see, just like you said, instead of going to the same dusty. Um, it's almost like you had a swap meet. You have to go in and you have to search and find where things are. Things aren't properly yeah. labeled. And then they follow you around the store. They're profiling you. Exactly. And I get it because, you know, some people have wronged you, but every apple in that barrel isn't bad. Right. Exactly. So, and I am one, when I found out Nefertiti was there, 
you know, I actually drive um, three, four miles further. And if it meant I have to pay a couple dollars more, I would do that just because I was supporting someone that looked like me. And are you on uh, any social media aside from Facebook? Is that the only one? Are you on Instagram, Twitter? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Instagram, you can find us at Nefertiti underscore beauty. And we do spell Nefertiti differently than the the real Nefertiti. Um, it's just N-E-F-A-T-I-T-I. So on Instagram, Nefertiti underscore beauty. On Facebook, at Nefertiti. And then on Twitter, Nefertiti B. Um, you can find us there. You can always DM me, link me. I, it's usually, it's always going to be me. I respond. If you have questions about starting your own business uh, or your own beauty supply or, or products or anything, I always encourage people to hit me up, you know, um, let me know what you're looking for. Um, even before you come into the store, let me know what you're looking for. And just like Michelle, I have that same mentality. If I can get it for you, I will. That was a good interview. Yeah. Yeah, well. really enjoyed that. Uh, we got a lot of good information from Tasha. Uh, so, Tia, um, what are your takeaways from uh, our chat with Tasha just now? Well, um, first, let me say again, kudos to Tasha for having a conversation with us and being a voice to trying to regain some control over the black beauty supply industry. I wish her nothing but success and just well wishes. And I do hope that things work out for her. So from that, um, here are my takeaways about this show. So after listening to this episode, so this is for our listeners. After listening to this episode, if there's any uncertainty whether or not you should buy black or shop at a black-owned beauty supply store, then here are the reasons why you should reconsider and you should. Okay. First thing that I love that we talk about is the whole customer service and customer experience. That is huge. So just think about... You know, if you go shop black or you shop at a black owned beauty supply, you basically have a relation with those workers and that owner because of the fact that you look the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so your skincare regimen, your hair care regimen could be very similar as opposed to you going to someone else who don't have the same melanated skin like you have and their hair is different. So the products that they would use is different. So they are not a subject matter expert on what could work for your skin and your and for your hair. So mm. that's one thing, bringing that intelligence to it. The other thing too is, I don't know about any of you all, but aren't you tired of being profiled when you walk into an Asian-owned beauty supply store? Whoa. And okay. I, I am really... I don't like being profiled and um, I like to be able to shop and be comfortable when I'm shopping. Again, one of the gripes that I had was, okay, things aren't labeled correctly and it's hard to find things. You can spend a longer time in the store because you're trying to find things. And, you know, I can see how that could look suspicious, but if I'm trying to read the back of a label to find out what kind of ingredients is in this product, I think I should be comfortable in doing that instead of assuming and keep asking me, are you ready to buy? Do you need help? Do you No, I don't need any help. I just need some time and some space to process this, the things that I'm reading so I can figure whether or not this is for my hair. I feel so, you on that. I yeah. You on that. So, yeah, yeah. you know, I mean, if you if 
And again, if that's what you want to do, by all means, continue to shop that way. The last thing, and this right here, I think it'll knock it out of the park for me, was just thinking about how we need to keep the money in our neighborhood. Okay. So if you look at some of the facts and figures, although we didn't mention it during the interview, but I went back and pulled some figures, you know, in the Asian community, the average dollar stays in that community for about a month or 28 days. Mm-hmm. In the Jewish community, it stays in there about 21 days. In a white community, it stays in there for 23 days. And guess how long it stays in a black community? Six hours. Mm-hmm. So... As fast as we get the money, it's leaving. We're going shopping at some of those other, you know, a Jewish place, a white place, an Asian place. We're not shopping with our own people. So, therefore, we don't have a chance to recycle that money to help promote our community. So, that is very, you know, important to me. And I thought those were some good jewels that I picked up from the episode. Cool. Um, And and your last point. Yes, you know, we've heard these figures before. Uh, part of it is it's a it's a double-edged sword. So mm-hmm. part of the reason is, you know, some of us just aren't conscious and we're not thinking about it when we go out. If I want a pair of sneakers or a shirt or, you know, again, something from the beauty supply store, I know I need product X. And I'm going to go to the first store I see, or the store that's closest to me or whatever. Mm-hmm. That store may or may not be black home. So that's number one. Uh, a lot of us just don't think about it. Number two... We don't own these places. Like I said, you know, um, in the opening, you know, I try to seek out black-owned businesses a lot of times, but sometimes I'm, I'm successful and sometimes I'm not. And the reason I'm not a lot of times is because we don't own it. For example, right. uh, I bought my son a Nintendo Switch last Christmas, but I don't know any black-owned stores that sell Nintendo Switches. So mm-hmm. I had to buy it from wherever I bought it from, Best Buy or wherever. I had to do that. I didn't have a choice. And, of course, Nintendo is not black-owned, but he wanted a Nintendo. And so that's what I had to do. And so it's like I would like to, you know, buy my Nintendo or my son's Christmas present from, you know, such, you know, black-owned business. You know, right. why? But sometimes that's not an, that's not an option. That's well, if I true. want this particular shirt or this particular, I don't know, I'm looking for something for a job interview or whatever. There may not be a store that's black-owned that sells you know, formal wear. You know, I might not have that option. You're uh, absolutely right. Depending on where I am, it is an option in some cities, uh, but it's not always an option everywhere. So again, it's a double-edged sword. Yeah, you know, we need to work harder at being more conscious of shopping black, but at the same time, uh, a lot of times, finding a black-owned, you know, establishment isn't always an option. And that, of course, opens the door to a bigger issue going down the road of banks giving loans to black entrepreneurs, loan rates. Of course, there have been reports of giving different rates to black entrepreneurs or not even giving the business loans at all to black owners or black entrepreneurs or black business people as opposed to business people, you know, of other backgrounds. And so that opens up a whole nother can of worms. Uh, (laughs) It goes down to education, you know, business education, knowing what it takes to open a business, what those steps are, being educated on what it takes to run a business, what it takes to keep a business open, uh, knowing about payroll and business taxes and property taxes. Right. But you know what, Charles, you know, too, just to add to what you were saying, though, and this is to go further down the rabbit hole. Uh-huh. Some of the reasons why people don't buy black is because of prices. 
Right. Because so, we're yeah. small businesses we're, and yeah. we don't have that backing. And so, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I get it in those. You're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. Um, lack of education, you know, just awareness, just having those resources. And like, like you said, that backing here, that could be limiting. But when there right. are those opportunities, don't when skip them. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Your takeaways are great. And we're kind of thinking along the same lines, actually. Oh, yeah. For guys, for you guys listening, we have not heard our takeaways. So this is my first time hearing what Tia thought about our right. interview with Tasha. And right. so this is totally off the cuff. Yep. My takeaways were, I have two, or really three, but two main ones. Number one, like I said in the interview, uh, when I asked Tasha, can buying black uh, kind of change the narrative, change the way this works. And I think, you know, and she said it can, because of course it'll change the way vendors, uh, they'll see who's buying from who and and be forced to change. And that's really it. Um, so my takeaway number one is that we have to work collectively uh, to uplift and, su- and support black owned businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we want to change the narrative of our community's economics, we can't keep saying, you know, the Asians do this, or, you know, uh, white-owned businesses do that if we're not either, number one, trying to open our own businesses, or, number two, supporting those of us who have already opened businesses. Mm-hmm. And so, because when we open those businesses, oh, I'm sorry, when we support those businesses, that gives those other businesses that are not Black-owned businesses uh, competition. And so, they have to adjust if they want to stay in business. Right. If we're giving all of our dollars to Tasha and to Tia and to whoever other, you know, black owned and we don't have to, you know, do it 100 percent, but enough where it's it's felt you can. Oh, you know, I'm not getting as much business in why and they will start to adjust just like we were talking about. You were talking about the customer experience. Uh, they will adjust and or at least I would think they would and not make your visit to their store as uncomfortable because they want your dollars. Uh, the reason why a lot of these businesses don't really focus on customer experience because they don't care because they know we have to shop here and we're going to because we have nowhere else to go. Uh, because That's that whole corner in the market, Charles. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly. what you do. You figure so, out what are your threats and you figure out a way to secure it and you, you put a lock and key on it. Right. Because mm-hmm. if I know you have to come to me, and it doesn't matter how I uh, treat you. It doesn't matter how I present it. It doesn't matter, you know, I can put it like, you know, from an episode of The Cosby Show when uh, when he was saying uh, Cliff was talking to Vanessa's boyfriend uh, about how he presented himself. You can put it on the trash can top. It wouldn't matter because you have to come to me. I'm your only option. So, uh, right. you know, we, we have to. We have to create that that competition, mm-hmm. um, and as consumers, we can do that. We absolutely can. If we support, you know, businesses like Tasha, like Nefertiti, that will force those other businesses to adjust. Like you were saying, Tia, it also keeps those dollars in the black community. So that dollar that you're spending at Nefertiti is going to go to support this black family that's going to pay their life bill and phone bill and their mortgage. Uh, it's also going to send Tasha's kids to college versus some other kid from some other community. And not that we don't want those other kids from those other communities to go to college. We do. But mm-hmm. we need to work and make sure that our kids can go to college and our neighborhoods stay up. That, you know, 
Sasha doesn't have to you know lose her house because she's not making enough money in her business. And so right. that keeps the community secure because right. if people have to sell their houses uh, because they're not making enough money in their business, well, that opens the door to insecure communities. Mm-hmm. And so we have stable communities, but it's, it's a domino effect is what it mm-hmm. is. And so it's not just, well, it doesn't matter where show or store I go. I can go to Sally or to Kim's or what, what does it matter? It's, it matters a lot. Uh, because uh, if Tasha is a successful business owner, then that creates uh, stability in her family, in her house, and then that creates a future of stability, you know, with her children and future generations. Also, again, in her neighborhood, uh, other people that she's connected to will also be affected positively from that stability. But anyway, I won't get into that too deep. It's a rabbit hole, like you said. Uh, <laughs> you know, Charles, that just to sum it up, that's you, what you're talking about is creating a legacy and building generational wealth. Absolutely. That Thank sums you for it putting up. Work. Yeah, that sums it up. <laughs> uh, the second thing, uh, really quick, uh, going back to what she was saying about the vendors not wanting to sell to her. What I started thinking about is is that grounds for some type of legal action? Yeah. Is that grounds for like some type of discrimination suit? Because I'm sure she's probably not the only black-owned business owner who's experienced that. I'm not an attorney. Uh, I don't know what the discrimination laws are, particularly as it pertains to business and who you can and can't sell to, or why you can or can't t- sell to someone. But I just feel like there has to be some law or something that says. I can't not sell to you because you're black. Right. And you Again. know, it's, it's the same thing with the, the whole LGBTQ argument. I mean, some businesses, I don't want to sell to you because of that. But then on the flip side of that, you know, when you say that, that make me think about at will employment, you know, like, oh, um, uh, yeah. I can fire you without any cause. I mean, in a business perspective and you buying something from a vendor, can I not sell you something without just cause? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can see like if, if you were selling the product inappropriately, you were, you know, price gouging or something like that, then I can see a vendor just saying, okay, because you've done X, I can't sell to you anymore or whatever. But just because you're not in my ethnic group, that doesn't sound right. Again, I'm not right. an attorney. I don't know what the law says. If any of our attorney listeners are listening and want to chime in, definitely, you know, uh, comment somewhere. Yes. On Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, leave us a voicemail. Uh, we'd love to get some more information. Of course, I'm going to research it, but mm-hmm. uh, if you already know, you know what those answers are, uh, definitely chime in and let us know. We'll revisit this later on. But it just doesn't sound right to me. It sounds like mm-hmm. there's some grounds for some type of legal action there. I agree. All right, Tia. Um, one more time, can we get the information for Nefertiti? All right. For our listeners out there, um, if you are interested in shopping at Nefertiti Beauty Supply Salon, you can visit her at www.nefertitibeauty.com. And you spell that N-E-F-A-T-I-T-I beauty.com. Um, I can tell you that she have a beard care line on there. So for my fellas with your beard game, if you're looking for some oils and some shampoos, 
look at Nefertiti um, and, you know, you can shop there. And also for our students that's listening to this podcast, just be aware that she does have the student discount for those uh, Winthrop and um, Clinton College students in the area. Yeah. Real quick before we go. Uh, also want to remind you guys that you can leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, we definitely like to play some of your voicemail messages on the show and future shows. We also are going to be soliciting you guys for some comments uh, for some future shows that we have coming up. So uh, you can comment on this show or previous shows or any show going forward. Again, of course, through social media. But you can also leave us a voicemail. We want to hear your voice. Uh, you just go to anchor.fm forward slash afros locks biz forward slash message. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash afros locks biz forward slash message. So there's no phone number to call. You just go to the link and it has a button that says record, start recording now. And so you record the voicemail. We'll get the voicemail uh, and we can respond to you. Or um, again, we may even play it on the show. So thanks, guys, for listening uh, to this episode. Uh, we hope everyone's got something out of it. And real quick, one last thing. <laughs> <laughs> what to do with that? I was want to make the note. We're not anti-Asian or anti any other ethnicity, for that matter. We understand right. that these people, most in particular, the, you know, the shop owners, they're you know regular families just like us, they're trying to feed their families, they're trying to pay their bills. We get that, we understand that. But our point is, we want to make sure we support these Black-owned businesses because there's a history in this country of discrimination, and which is why we're starting, we're behind in the race. Uh, right. Economically, because, you know, once upon a time, there were, and they kind of still are, you know, play, well, yeah, there are, you know, going back to Tasha's, uh, interview talking about the vendors, uh, there were, you know, policies in place that says, hey, you can't start a business or you can't run a business or, you know, we're going to make it harder for your business to be successful. Mm -hmm. And we're just trying to combat that. So this is definitely not an anti-Asian thing or an anti, you know, uh, whatever other uh, community thing. No, it's just a very pro-black thing. So and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's right. I agree with you a thousand percent on that. And at actually kind of foreshadowing for one of our future shows that we will be um, launching, uh, just giving a little history about, you know, the black hair care and how some of that may be rooted into ra- racism. And, you know, but that's something for, you know, down the road, a show that we're actually working on. So, yeah, I mean, you're going you're going in the right direction, Chuck. And for everybody, he's right. We, we love everybody. So it's not hatred. We're just trying to promote um, our community. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. You can find us at our website, afroslocks.biz, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at afroslocksbiz. Be sure to join in the discussions on our Facebook group, send us an email, or leave a voicemail. Also, be sure to tune in for our next episode. Our theme music is Sour Soup by Jeff. See you soon. Bye-bye.